Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Humston, as always, joined with the lead pastor, Nick Pierce, Calvary Chapel Lake of the Ozarks. You know what? Thank you. I got you. Buddy. You didn't say the other name. Welcome. Glad that you're here. Glad to be a part of this, as always. And this, we're two months in. We are. This is our eighth episode. Eighth. This is the longest I've ever committed to anything. Don't tell your wife that. No, I've been married. You probably should longest. fix that because I know I've, she listens. And I've done 75 hard, too. So, like, <laughs> no, this is good, though. Yeah. It's the highlight of my Tuesday. It's a, Tuesday compared is, to the 12 other meetings that yeah, we have, it's easy for yeah, it to be a highlight. Yeah, death by meetings day, but, like, the highlight, the little, the little shimmer of hope and and fun is the breakdown. That's exactly right. If you're a, if you're a longtime listener to all seven episodes, this, this being the eighth, eight. yeah. um, awesome. Thanks so much for listening. We're glad you're here. If you're new, I don't know how in the world you would have found yourself to listen to us. I don't know. I, we are definitely not the quality that people are running out and telling their friends. Like, <laughs> I talk about true Joe crime Rogan. podcasts. I, yeah, we're yeah. not the Joe Rogan yeah. podcast. <laughs> Joe like, Rogan of theology and sermons. Two pastors that sit down and basically <laughs> just kind of finagle our way through 45 to an we, hour and 20 like, minutes joke geek out serious funny <laughs> completely have no idea what's going on back and, to serious and that's just the intro <laughs> that's exactly right that's the that's the most factual thing that's probably been said so yeah. far so, so far, far in the podcast so, so uh, if you are new each and every week we break down hence the name breakdown the the sermon and or anything else that comes up yeah usually we catalyst that's the word i was looking for there it we, is we yeah. kind of practice the intro because i thought we were recording then we weren't so um we, you you actually have to hit the record button to record I, is what i've learned yeah, it's, in it's the last incredible. 10 seconds I, and i can't say anything because this is the second time it's happened so <laughs> except last time i was like 30 minutes deep into a sermon no you weren't did i do the whole thing we did the whole thing it was it, an hour it was the long it was an hour and 15 minutes and then jerron looks up at me like a beat puppy and says i forgot to hit record and I was okay with that because it felt awkward. And so the second time around was better. To be like, fair, every I did time hit we've record, done record, I just the memory card wasn't. In oh, it, I hadn't changed it from the card. memory card to the SD. Anyway. Oh yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah, memory card, SD that card to whatever. I don't understand. We that. we I'm just need to one day break down. Like we always do theology. We need to break down technology one week and have <laughs> you ask me questions. And oh yeah, it'd be we'd get a great response in there. <sighs> we could do How like do I a, update my <laughs> Apple phone. Step by step. Okay, everybody yeah. pull out your phones if you're on. If How do I change my background screen on my computer? <laughs> Dude, I've been at Calvary for uh, almost a year and a half. Year and a half. And it's well, already, it's already started. The, oh, you're the tech guy. How do I, like on Sunday morning? And it's like, <laughs> I don't mind it. Sunday morning is always kind of hard. Yeah. So, but it's, I'm like, just oh, set up cool. like a little shop, like uh, the Peanuts character, Lucy, when she does the, the psychiatric help five oh, cents her little yeah yep. we'll just set you up a little box in the foyer and be like tech help five cents <laughs> with your on there's one very specific uh story and scripture that doesn't end well for anyone on the receiving end of that with yeah. things that were happening in church i don't yeah, know that's I true. Go down that road. yeah i don't want to do that i, I don't, don't do that. i don't want tables flipped and Let, let's not break down that yeah we're not going to break down that so but this week we are going to break down sunday sermon yeah which sunday we finished up our study of first john so we finished the book of first john we are done you looked at the last 12 verses of chapter five yep so finished out chapter five yep um and uh, one thing that i i would love to kind of dissect and oh, just have my. you Call it geek out, kind of walk with us. Uh, I think you took very two very hard 
maybe not hard, two very controversial topics yeah. that people feel very uh, passionate about. Thank you. That's not, I, I was going to say the other word, the more <laughs> confrontational word, like oh. opinionated about. Yeah, there you go. Passionate about. Passionate. We'll say um, And you navigated way. them well without mm. being passive about yeah. where where to stand on those things. And so it centers around the topic of salvation. Amen. I'm for it. <laughs> I'm for it. If It's crazy. I'm actually curious. against it. You're so against- let's break <laughs> Let's break it down. Now I know which angel on the shoulder <laughs> I am. And the other, red devil. Yeah, there you go. Okay, now we know. Everybody so knows the rules. if you've grown up in church, oh man, or if you've grown up, let me say it this way, if you've grown up in a church context of any kind, yeah. depending on um, the theology belief, um, especially if you've grown up more in a Southern Baptist conservative realm, uh, there reformed. is, yeah, reformed. Uh, if you were to look at a... Um, like a spectrum, yeah, spectrum. Like yeah. from the half to one edge, yeah. That that would be kind of the realm you'd find those. The language of or phraseology of once saved, always saved. Yeah, not my favorite verse. Uh, not verse because it's not a verse. It's not not, not a my verse. favorite phrase. Yeah, not your favorite it, phrase. And you said that from the platform yeah. in the sage, and nobody yelled at me or walked out yet. Correct. I'm <laughs> sure there was probably some things that people got real tense because they were wondering where was I going with. Yeah, this. like okay, here we go. He's he's yeah. already thrown it out. Now is yeah. he for it or against it? There yeah. wasn't a, anything else. I yeah. feel like there was that True. immediate mm-hmm. um, or the opposite end of the spectrum. And so you said, uh, I just kind of yeah, you got some notes here. I got some notes because so. I think it helps set up um, yeah. what we got. So through this idea of of once saved, always saved. Th- there's a uh, a myriad. Yeah. of ways that, that we could approach that or through the, the lens of uh, maybe you have a friend or a family member who um, accepted the Lord or had a salvation moment, but their life now, many years removed, doesn't look yeah. maybe like what we would expect it to look like. Um, and the question that we get a lot of times as pastors is, is that person really saved or something along those lines? Or how do I know that someone mm. is saved? Yeah. Um, and so you kind of went on to talk about really what, what John is writing about is our personhood in the kingdom, um, that we are saved, but there can be a breaking of fellowship. Yeah. And, and you kind of delineated mm. between, and, and you did, I love this analogy because I, um, Let's just call it what it is. Yeah. I like when things are simple. Mm-hmm. It helps me understand process. And so uh, you broke it down through the lens of your kids. Yeah. So any of your kids, uh, you cannot change the fact that they are biologically yours and your wife's. Yeah. Like if you look at their DNA, we see that, you know, in in the, um, the true crime world. We see that in the court world. I totally forget what that's called. Yeah. Um, Anyways, we see that where they use that to say, hey, this your DNA was here. Therefore, that's only you. That is your DNA and nobody yeah. else's. So your 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 daughters, your girls, your son cannot be anything different than than yours. Yeah. Like if they came across, like that's how that whole the ancestry.com yep. people are finding lost, lost family yep. members, or maybe they didn't know they had siblings, which is, you know, all that. Uh, and they're they're just studying DNA, and they can tell like, oh, there there is a relationship here, yep. and we're using that term relationship in that sense, not like I have a relationship 
with you. We have a friendship, yep. right? Or I have a relationship with my wife. It's, we're not talking like in a social construct. Yep. We're talking in a, in a biological. Yep. Like between me and you, they're unless we're like distant, distant cousins, which we, we are run it. Maybe we are. Maybe we are. There is. We don't look anything. Yeah. Alike. There's not a relationship like no. that. But if you tested my son's DNA, the relationship, they would say this individual is connected to this individual. They are father and son. And very specifically to distance away relationship, yeah. not just like, hey, you have some DNA that matches like, hey, you are a third or fourth or removed or. Yeah, they'll be like, oh, you're, you're you know, if you tested. Uh, like one of my nephews, they would say, oh, you are, or like I have a niece down in Texas. If you would test her and then me, they would say, oh, this is niece yep. and uncle. Like yep. they can, they know because they're way smarter than me yep. that all those connections like that. So they can tell relationship. And that's what I mean by that word there, the connection. Which is good. Biologically. Because then you talk about, because um, that was a good clarification, because the yeah. word I'm going to use now is relationally. Um, where you you could say there is things, mm -hmm. many things that your kids could do that would create a separation or a severance of relationship yeah. between you and your kids. Yep, they can never sever that they are biologically yours. Correct. They can sever or distance themselves from the fact that you are relationally connected. So when somebody says, "Hey, how is?" How is I'll just use Dayton since he's yeah. how is Dayton doing? Yeah. And you'd be like, we have no relationship. We have no. I don't know. He he doesn't call me. He yeah. doesn't text me. Which that's not the case. This is just a hypothetical. I want to, yeah. I want to be clear. <laughs> Pray for my long lost <laughs> prodigal son. <laughs> this is not a prodigal son yeah. moment. This is a he still lives at home, attends church food. every Sunday. Yeah, it's exactly serves. right. Um, yeah. So Dayton could not, you know, separate himself biologically from you, yes. but but he could separate himself relationally from yeah. you, and that's the avenue that you took when we yeah. talk about salvation. Yeah, because John in First John is writing specifically about, I'm not handling the relationship. We're all believers. Mm. He goes, I want to talk about the fellowship. Yes. And so as the fellowship with God, that's where he uses that word abide, 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 abide mm -hmm. in Christ, abide in God, like God abides in you. He, he is his main thing that he wants to hit on there. It's like, he's talking, it's like, if I would sit down with all four of my kids, I'm not trying to talk to them and say, Hey, I need to prove to you that you are biologically one of my kids. Here's all the scientific yeah, yeah, fact no, no, no. to back it, it up and data. No, he is talking to the family of God and he's talking about fellowship where you know, so the four of my kids, let's play it out hypothetically. Let's say two of them loved me, two of them are like distant from mm -hmm. me, and there's no, not a lot of fellowship. That's what he's trying to say. Yep. He's he's coming in, telling my four kids, have fellowship with your father. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not trying to say like, oh, did you not know that Nick's your dad mm. biologically? No, no, yep. no. We're not having that conversation. That's that's there. He's saying us as believers need to continue in, abide in, have fellowship. With them, and so if you don't know that, and then you read First John, it can be quick to want to go to, oh, do I have a, a relationship mm. with God? Is there a connection there? Have I, am I saved? Am I born again? And that's what John is saying here. He goes, "I'm writing all of this to you who believe." So there, it's clear you believe, and we know in the context if you believe, you've been born of God, but that you have eternal life. Mm -hmm. Not that you're gonna get it, but you have it. Yeah. He writes it in a past tense sense. So so this is one of those verses that we use to talk about the doctrine of eternal security. Yep. You know, can you lose your salvation or not? Which for me personally as a pastor, just going to call it in the 
uh, American church culture, I think this topic is one of the most divisive. 100%. You know, probably even more than uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Mm Mm-hmm. Compared to like, are the gifts for today? Are you a cessationist? Yep. Where there's none. Where you know, there's there's far more grace for opposite sides of that conversation. But then when you step into salvation, I'm just going to call it. There's there's very little grace yeah. in that, and I don't like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I even said that in my interview coming here. Yep. Like they had me fill out a questionnaire. That was one of the things. Can you lose your salvation? And that was the first thing I said. I think this is one of the most divisive things ever. And, and there's reasons for that. And a lot of that is um, not from a doctrinal standpoint. I mean, I believe God's Word is very clear because it flows out of God's nature, and God's nature is very clear. This is, this is a—we have security in yeah. Christ. And, and the line that I used Sunday was, you know, to say that you could lose your salvation would be as if God the Father would become unsatisfied mm, with yep. the blood of Jesus. And so now are you a faithful follower of Jesus? Are you a carnal Christian, as Paul would say, I think, in 1 Corinthians? Yeah, that's gonna that's absolutely going to have a marked effect on your fellowship with the Lord, but we are secure in Christ. The question then comes, like what you started the whole thing out, okay, so we got uh, crazy Uncle Eddie. Sorry if you are an uncle named Eddie, but don't be crazy, and then it wouldn't happen. Um, so he he has a salvation moment. He went to youth camp when he was a junior in high school and accepts the Lord, hypothetically. And we all kind of know people that would fall into this yeah. to, some, to some degree. He's at camp. The speaker does a gospel invitation. He responds, comes forward. He's snotting. He's crying. He accepts Christ. He prays the salvation prayer, uh, which Burster Bubble is not in Scripture. You know, I do think prayer is important. Yeah. And so they do that. And then Eddie, let's say he he really strives in a relationship with the Lord. He starts attending church. He's reading his Bible. Ten years down the road. Life happens. Life happens. And there is... You would look at him, if you did not know his past, you would look at him and think, he is an unbeliever. Yep. Just living for the world. You know, I'm not saying he's like hooked on drugs and he's yeah. prostituting himself. Nothing like that. He's just, there is there's nothing about his life that would give you any inclining. There's no fruit on the yeah. tree of that. Then Uncle Eddie dies. Where does he go? Mm, that is the, the million quest, dollar question. The million dollar question. What happens there? It divides churches and oh, buries people. Uh. Let's go. So, so a couple things that I have. Let's let's talk about the issue I have with it. And I talked about it a little bit on Sunday, and I'm going to break it down. <laughs> the breakdown, a little bit more. Okay. So you have one side of the camp that would look at Uncle Letty living not according to his professed faith of ten years earlier, yep. right? One side of the camp would say he never was saved. Mm. And the other side of the camp would say, because they would say if he was saved, he you, you wouldn't be able to walk away from it. Yep. Okay. And then the other side of the camp would say, uh, no, he was saved, but then he lost the salvation that he had, and that's where the sin is at. And and I don't like either one. Mm-hmm. So let's go, uh, let's, let's start with the easy one to kind of tackle, can you lose your salvation? Well, again, I think that goes against the nature of, of God that goes against the word of God. Mm-hmm. I think there is security in that. Well, what about his life? There would be extreme gap in the fellowship. Yeah. And it is a hard question like, well, how much of a gap in our fellowship with God can there be and we're still considered saved? Mm. Which 
I understand the question. The problem is where that is a legitimate question, the New Testament speaks very little to that. By and far, the whole of the New Testament says, put your faith, your trust, your confidence in Christ for salvation. Yep. And then what is sanctification? Pursue Christ with your life. You know, well, what if I don't do that? Jesus, Paul, all the apostles, you know, even the deacons from, you know, Acts chapter seven, they would all tell you that is not the topic that we should be talking about. So in my response, you know, like in the interview process coming here, my heart for ministry in, in response to this conversation, yeah, yeah. Oh, so how would you how would you operate it? Because if you take one side of the camp, you just alienated everybody else. You, half the people yeah. are against you. I can say this to one side of the camp, and I can say this to the other side of the camp, and both camps have to tell me, I agree with you. Yep. Okay. Uh, the goal of my life is that I have put my faith and my trust and confidence in Christ for salvation, yep. and I want to wake up every day pursuing Christ with my life and encouraging those around me to do the exact same. Mm-hmm. No matter what side of the camp that you're on as a believer, you have to say, "Amen," or we're going to have some serious, yeah, massive theological. Oh issues. yeah, yeah. Like if if somebody says, "Hey, you don't need to pursue Christ with your life as a believer," uh, all that, roads lead to Jesus. Yeah, that's called heresy. You know, but <laughs> it's a whole nother yeah, that's a whole nother, topic. whole nother day. And so now, for me individually, you know, uh, the covenant for me, I like to talk about salvation. Uh, in the sense of a covenant, because mm. God is a covenant-keeping God. Like, mm. that is what Yahweh kind of means. Like, he is this, I am who I am. I am this covenant-keeping, self-existent, I am, I, you know, from Exodus 3. talked about last week. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And so when you think of, like, the Abrahamic covenant, Abraham was passed out, put into a deep sleep. God walked in between the sacrifices. So that yeah. God can't break the covenant. Ex- Abraham could. Abraham, yeah. The Lord couldn't. Yeah. So and he's so, making that covenant. Yeah, so it's it's unconditional. So like Abraham wasn't walking with God, because that actually was like a very ancient, in that culture of the Old Testament, if two kings wanted to make a covenant, they would walk together. Yeah. Meaning that if one person breaks this covenant, due to me, what we've done to these animals, they'd cut them in half and lay them on each side, you walk awesome. between them, right? We need to bring that Let's back. go. Give me a bull and a goat, we're slicing it in half and walking it's between. kind of church discipline Let's that I go. want. <laughs> and so... And so the idea is only God did, so it's unconditional, meaning there's nothing that Abraham could do to break Mm. that. And so if we look at the covenant, what does Jesus say when he institutes communion at the Last Supper? Not in John 6, sorry if that's what you have been taught, that is not true, but in, in the Last Supper, he takes that cup and he says, this is my covenant of my blood, not our blood, not your blood, this is my blood. And so this covenant is one-sided, that salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is not of us. It is an unconditional covenant. We are saved by grace through our faith. And faith is always Mm. like waving the white flag, the putting the trust, the faith, the confidence in Christ, right? And so we we can't undo what God has done. Now, what happens to Uncle Eddie, who 10 years down the road has for all external purposes, no relationship with the Lord. Yeah. Was he ever saved? The hard part for me on the one side to say, oh, no, he never was saved. The first three years after camp, everybody on that side of the camp saw him living. Saw him GDM. living and be like, oh, man, it's so awesome. Did you hear about Uncle Ed? He got saved. And it's like, well, then I want to ask that side, well, 
how much sin does it take to 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 reveal that you'd had no salvation yep. then? Because every person that we have in a story like that, like there 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 has been some fruit. There has been some pursuit of Christ with their life, and and then there was a falling away. Well, where when did that happen then? Yeah. Answer me that question, which is hard. Now then, well, did he lose his salvation? And I don't think so on that. Where, so are you saying is Uncle Eddie in heaven? Well, what I do know is God is good. Mm. He is just, and nobody's going to stand before Jesus and be like, "I was treated unfairly." Let me tell you how this should go. Yeah, you know, nobody's going to look at the Lord and be like, uh, "This, the, the sentencing, your judgment upon me, whatever my eternal destiny is." Every person living, breathing, ever on the existence of Earth, every human will say that was right. Yeah, you know or eternal separation from God, or eternal communion with him, right? Now, um, does, so if Uncle Eddie had a true profession of faith, he said, but he had no fellowship, you know, now we do know there's a doctrine of rewards, Mm -hmm. that how we live our life as a believer, not for salvation, but from salvation, there is a reward to that. So so then you have Uncle Eddie, and then you have Aunt Margaret. Mm-hmm. Aunt Margaret. Sweet, sweet Aunt Margaret. Oh, yeah, sweet couple. They met at camp. They both got saved the same day. Eddie, later in life, no fruit from his life, but sweet Aunt Margaret just lived faithfully for Jesus. Yeah. They're both going to stand before the Lord, and, and he's going to handle the salvation is- issue, and I'm going to trust the Lord that he's going to handle it appropriately. Nother, yeah. yeah. So let's say, okay, let's say Eddie is saved. God's going to allow him because of that profession of faith 10 years before his death, even though pretty much for the rest of his life there was no fruit in that. I do believe the doctrine of rewards would step in and the separation between an Eddie and a Margaret would be, Eddie, you you, you made that profession of faith, you lived for me-ish, and then there was no fruit in your life. But then Margaret, you had a profession of faith. You lived your life wholly for me. You sacrificed, you suffered, you endured. Well done, good and faithful servant. Here is your reward. Mm-hmm. You know, so the Bema seat that we talk about, there is there is a, uh, a loss of rewards that can happen where Eddie had the chance for so much eternal rewards and crowns in heaven, but his life didn't reflect that. And yeah. so he lost that. Did he lose his salvation? No, but he lost those rewards where Margaret has her salvation and she has her rewards. Because I think, again, the other thing that we get wrong in the Western mindset of American church is, I just want to get in heaven by the skin of my teeth. Mm, I was going yeah. to bring that up. We love the story of the guy next to Jesus on the cross who lived his whole life for the devil, then at the very end made a deathbed confession. Slid into Yeah. Heaven. Well, how does he get to be in heaven? Yep. Well, the same way we did, by mm. faith, grace, it, it, salvation is of the Lord. But to think that they're the reward to him compared to a Billy Graham is going to be the same. Mm. Scripture is clear that that wouldn't be the same. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because it seems like in, in our culture, when that question is asked, or even that que- the vein of that question, because it's not just the salvation yeah. question, but the vein of that question is where is the line, and how close to the line of how little I can do and still get the reward. Yeah, where to me that that is. That's a wrong heart approaching the question. And not even just a reward. I think it's like, how close to the line can we get and still be saved? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, and so it's like, so how do we how do we encourage people to pursue Christ with their life and live for him from their salvation, not for salvation, from it? It's like, I don't know what eternal rewards are. 
But again, if God is good, and he is a good father, mm-hmm. like he's not going to be, um, uh, whatever he's handing out, I am sure is going to be far greater than what my mind can even try to understand because he's an infinite God. And he's infinitely good. We're finite beings trying to Absolutely. explain, think. And so if he's handing out rewards yep. based on how I lived my life wholly for him, I want to be about that. Yep. You know, I, that's, that's what the pursuit of my life is about. Oh, you're only working for the reward. No, I'm working for my father yeah. who loved me and gave his son for me. And he fills me with the spirit. So like, that's the part about, I think faith that just baffles me is like, as a believer, follower of Jesus, it's, it's like he, he equips me and empowers me to do everything for him. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like getting carried in a marathon. The Holy Spirit is just running and he's just holding me. I'm yep. doing nothing. I'm just being held like a sweet little baby. Right. And we come across the finish line and the Holy Spirit sets me down and he puts the medal around my head and says, good job. You ran hard. It's like God does all do the work. Yeah, God does all the work because we're not going to do anything in our own power. It's always through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so God's doing all the work through us. Then when we get to the end of our life and we stand before him, he rewards us mm-hmm. as if it was all on us. And then he's like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. And so that just shows the goodness of the Father. And so if he's that good, whatever he's handing out, whatever the crowns are from like James one twelve, whatever the Bema Seed is talking about of rewards, like if the Lord is handing that out for faithfulness in our lives for him, I'm in. Yeah. I'm down. Because if the Lord is, has been this good on this side of eternity in my salvation, yeah. Why would I think that the Lord would be any less good on the other side Mm. of eternity Mm. for faithful living for him? So wake up every day, those of us that have put our faith and our trust in Christ, and pursue Christ with your life. Now, if you haven't, if you are listening to this, and you have not put your faith, your trust, your confidence in Christ for salvation, why the heck not? Like there, you have this amazing, beautiful gift that we, we have the offer of salvation, that we are saved from our sin, we're saved from punishment. He satisfied all of that. Surrender, put your confidence in him, put your faith in him, and allow him to, con- to start that change and that transformation in your life to be more like Jesus. So I wasn't going to go there. Go there, baby. Because I thought, we're going there. hey, we'll just... I don't we'll, know where there's at. We'll so break we I know you don't. That's what the great part is. I love it. Because I figured we'd break down mm-hmm. what we've just broke down, but you kind of started in a conversation. If you listened to the sermon, you might have picked up where this conversation is going to go. Yeah. The kind of the next big topic that you you talked is God's will. Oh, what is God's yeah. will for my life? And, and you, I, if, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, it was five scriptures yeah. that you walked through, and something for me that was so helpful in that process, which seems so mundane and so elementary and so basic. That when my wife and I were talking about it was God's God's will for my life and my will for my life. Are they not the same? Are they not lined up? They're not even <laughs> anywhere close through, you know, in the in respect to each other. Yeah. Absolutely. But we see that lived out in so many times, again, in that same vein, going back to the question, so yeah. many times when we're approached, um, not approached with when we find ourselves in the middle of real life and real situations yeah. and you even brought up cancer diagnosis oh, yeah. with which you have walked through uh the loss of a child which I have walked through yeah. and list anything else that you want to yeah the question that always seems to arise is 
if it was something that was known ahead, Lord, I prayed, why didn't you answer my prayer? Mm-hmm. Um, why wasn't God's will, or why was God's will different? Mm-hmm. And for me, what has been incredibly humbling and incredibly challenging is as I wake up each day, as I pursue and walk with the Lord each day, that my will becomes less of my own and more of my Father's. Yeah, That yeah. my life is lived out less for me and more for Him. And it's very clear at that point, does it suck? Is it hard? Is it painful? Is it terrible? Yes. Mm-hmm. If I'm living for and looking through the lens of my life only matters for however many years that I'm available and alive on this earth, it is the most tragic, worst thing that I've ever experienced in my life. Yeah. Fill in the blank what that is. Yeah. The problem is we're not talking. Our life is but a vapor here on this earth. We're not talking about just this life. We're talking about eternity. Yeah. And we we are perfectly fine with that thought in any other aspect of life. Except except our faith. Yep. You know? So if you if you are a uh, if you have grapes and you are a vineyard owner and you want really good fruits, one of the things that you will have to and continually do is to prune the vine. Meaning, yeah, you're going to have to go... Kill and cut off. Yes, exactly. So that this, you know, and so that that is a painful process of pruning our lives. There are certain things that the Lord has pruned from my life. Yeah. There's people that the Lord has Mm. pruned for my life because that was not bringing about the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Mm. That's difficult. There are, so if you have like a farmer doing that, I mean, even in parenting, if you if you absolutely don't care about your kids, right, give them everything that they want. Like that's the easiest way to show that you have no care or love for your kids is to give them everything you want. Our world wants to say that's what we're supposed to do. No. The Lord loves those whom he disciplines. Mm. Discipline is a good thing. Yeah. Looking at our kids and saying, no, you know, because again, all the higher virtues are always accomplished or even the opportunity to accomplish those or to, to reach those is going to be through trouble, turmoil. You know, like when do you need courage? I didn't need courage to go make a cup of coffee. It wasn't scary. I did this morning, for sure. I <laughs> well, that's because you didn't want to wake up the wife and the kid, and that could be scary. But, like, no, you need courage in moments of, like, where you need courage. Battle. Yeah, battle, stuff like Contact, that, yeah. where, yeah, there, it, there's, there could be, uh, this situation could go negative, could go bad really quick. I need courage for that in, in all of those moments. We, so we say that we're okay with it in other concepts, but we get to our faith and it's like, nope, I want God to give me everything that I want. Yeah. But remember when the disciples were talking to Jesus and they're like, okay, dude, you, you go off and pray all the time. Teach us to pray. Mm. And when you break down, not the Lord's prayer, the Lord, <laughs> yeah, the Lord's prayer. He prayed. He didn't need a prayer. That's the disciples' prayer. Yeah. Now everybody knows it is the Lord's prayer. It's the prayer that the Lord gave to the disciples. If you break that down, the only there was only one need. Mm-hmm. Everything else was on God. Yep. You know what I mean. And so, in that prayer, um, Your kingdom come. Your, your will, be will be done. And it, and so we say that, and it's like, okay, well, what's God's will? Because there in First John, it's talking about, you know, we can have a confidence yep. when we are asking in prayer according to the will of God. 
So there's a confidence and according to the will of God, there's a connection there. Meaning if you're not praying according to the will of God, you're probably not going to have confidence in your prayer, let alone confidence that he's going to hear you. And yes, the Lord does not hear all prayers. There are verses that talk about the Lord is not going to hear the prayers of the unrighteous. If you treat your wife wrong, the Lord will not hear your prayers. Mm. It's in there. I'm in trouble. Yeah, you know what it, how many times I can go back now going, yeah. oh, so that makes sense now. So when the husband rolls up and he's like, I just feel like God's not listening to me. He's like, he's not. how's your wife? Mm. Ask that, ask that follow-up question and, and see yeah. if that's there. So we can have a confidence if we're praying according to the will of God. And that's what John's saying. He's like, so we know that we have made the requests that he has made for us. So in a sense, like one of the simple analogies I used is um, with each of my kids, the goal was for them to say, daddy first, because I am the better parent. No, it's season. <laughs> my wife's listening. Sorry, actually. Yeah. So <laughs> we would sit there and I would give them the word to say, back to me. Mm-hmm. You know, we're doing that. Dad, dad, say dad, dad. Say, you know, they're, Please tell me the first words were mama. I don't remember. Okay, that's good. Anyways, I had four on. kids, and it was like 100 years ago, okay, and I'm old. But I, th- I think it was a split. I think there was one that was da-da. Um, one of our kids, it wasn't the first word, but they called Ashley Bob. <laughs> Instead of mom or mama, is Bob. Bob, Bob, Bob. <laughs> that was awesome. But we're looking at them, giving them the word to say back to us, mm-hmm. and then we celebrate that they did it. The Lord wants to give us, hey, I want you to pray this to me. Mm. It's according to my will. You're going to have confidence in it. This is what I want you to pray about. And so when we talk about the will of God, it not always, I don't want to be like broad, 100%, but generalized, a lot of times when we talk about the will of God, we get too personal about it. What's God's will for my life? Am I supposed to go to college? Am I supposed to go to work? Am I supposed to marry? The red car, the blue car. Yeah, exactly. Like, Do I marry this person? Do I not? Is he, did I just want to know what God's will is for my life? Obviously funny from previous youth pastors as we are. Oh, yes. Talking to some boy, some girl. Let me tell you. Oh, no, is no, it no, God's no, no. will it for my life to the date? Boy. It was always the girl. Amen. Right. The boy didn't care. He would date anybody. The girl Amen. was like, is it God's will that I date this boy or this boy? And it's like. <sighs> you know what I used to ask? The girls that were in our youth group. So, um, you know, they're believers. They're following the Lord. Da, da, da. They're like, is it God's will for me to date this boy? I would say, is he a believer? And they would say, no, but. And it's like. No, that's not the will of the Lord for your life. Nope, that, that's an easy period. way just yep. to start it there. Like I had nine other defense and reasons why it, it's still a no, Moving but on. that was the easy one. And then it was like, well, I, I want it missionary dating. I want to go get them. Does and, he love Jesus? Ah, no, the yeah, answer is no. Yeah. And so we, when we talk about the will of God, we always act like it's this mysterious thing that nobody knows, yep. you know, and it's like, so we're going to call God good. But he's going to withhold. Then he's going to yeah. withhold what is it like? Okay, I want you to live according to my will. What's your will? Good luck figuring it out, sucker. Like, that's not the Lord. It's awful. But that's how we treat him. Yeah. And like, nobody wants to know. So you talked about the verses that I brought up. I pulled up my sermon notes here on my trusty Apple iPhone if Apple wants to start sponsoring us. First Timothy 2, 3 to 4. These are just five verses that talk about, okay, where has the will of God been clearly defined in Scripture? These are, and what I talked about in the sermon, these are things that we can be praying, right? And so First Timothy, First Timothy 2, 3 to 4, paraphrasing, it is God's will. He desires all people to be saved. I have that in my notes. Can we pray for lost people? Yes. Can we have confidence the Lord is going to hear us as we pray for lost people? Yes. Where does that confidence come from? Because it is God's will for all people to be Mm. saved. 
So quit asking if you're supposed to marry this person or that person. Start thinking through everybody that does not have a relationship with Christ and start praying for them. Mark them off your list. There it is, right? So there's one. First uh, Thessalonians 4, 3-4 to four, it says, God's will is your sanctification. Okay, so let's go back to crazy Uncle Letty. He has a salvation moment. It is God's will. What can he be praying about? His sanctification. His growing in the Lord to be the Lord, to be like the Lord. Jesus-likeness, Christ-likeness, whatever kind of verbiage that you want. That's something you can pray about. So if you feel stuck in your faith, if you feel like you're bobbing, if you feel like there's a sin or something in your life that has control that you want, like that's something you can pray about. Mm. Lord, I want your process of sanctification to happen in my life where am I withholding this? Where am I holding myself back? Where am I running away in sin? That's something we can pray. And we know with confidence that the Lord hears us. Yeah. Right? And then same thing uh, in First Thessalonians 5.18, we can give thanks in all circumstances. So no matter what situation you're in, whatever the diagnosis, whatever the broken relationship is, like in every opportunity, we can give thanks to the Lord for who he is and what he's done for us. Which I re-listened this morning to, to your sermon again. Oh my! Um, I I need about three times. I need us. I need Sunday morning, and then I need about two additional times to to <laughs> put the whole puzzle together. You're just trying to pad the online and then, numbers. <laughs> <laughs> we have twelve thousand people online. Eleven thousand nine hundred ninety nine <laughs> views were drawn. There's drawn. Um, but Working one of the things, because uh, you talked when you were walking through, it, yeah. you talked about that, and I thought, for very convictingly for me, you know, when when we had a miscarriage, I think about. Uh, that's probably the most recent really yeah. hard thing, but there's been other things throughout my life that's, did I give thanks? Mm. Not only did I not give thanks, I, I usually flipped and became angry at God and bitter and distant because mm. I ran through the, God, how could this be your will for my life? How yeah. is this good? How is this just? How is this right? Always very selfishly, personally, you know, led through the lens of, I even remember one time the Lord and I having this, very great conversation where I said, look at all that I do for you, mm. which don't have that conversation with the Lord. <laughs> it's not going to end well. Because we want the Lord to work and move in our life, but what we don't want is for him to put us in a position that there's going to be a need in any context. Yep. And some yep. of those can be really, really hard and difficult. We want to do it in our strength yep. and the things that we're good at with our the giftings yep. and talents that he's given us, but we want it to happen where it's easy. Yeah. Because I'm thinking through, and I can't think of one off the top of my head, not saying that there's just one that doesn't exist. Is there a miracle that Jesus performed that wasn't in a place of need? There was already pain. There was already suffering. There was already Lost. hurt. There's grief. Yeah, th there is something. There was a need. No, that's where the Lord is going to move and work. And so we say, Lord, move and work through me. Okay, I'm going to put you in a position. It is going to hurt. You're not going to like it. And that's the thing. The moment that happens, we don't give thanks to that. We revert the other way and we question God's goodness. Yeah. And it's like, no, I want you to move and work in my life. Well, I got to put you in a place of need so that you only need me. Well, I don't want that. Well, then you really don't want don't me to want, work in yep. your life. I would always tell in student ministry, I would always tell our students, uh, because so many of our kids played sports Yeah, and we had a fair amount of them that had had some pretty serious, yeah. you know, injuries. And so it was just easy. That was the group I had. So I would always liken it to, listen, surgery hurts. Mm. Even when they give you medication and numb you up, you come out of surgery. And when that medication wears off because they've sliced and they've cut out, oh, yeah. they've, they've 
manipulated and morphed your body, but yep. they took out the things that weren't working correctly and replaced them mm -hmm. with the correct things or things to assist in that. And then, like that's what the Lord is doing in our lives through the sanctification process yeah. is surgically cutting out things that yeah. aren't of him. And we get angry, we get upset, we get mad, we get ticked off, we get fill in the blank emotion yeah. when the Lord does that, when we've even when we've asked for it, mm -hmm. Lord, I want to be more like you. Use me to be this is my prayer. Use me to be your hands and feet. Yep. But please don't make it hard. Yeah. Please don't make it uncomfortable. Please don't make it painful. Please don't make it But that's the thing, is the healing process is painful. Mm. Like, so me as a former nurse, we used to go up on the, when we were in nursing school, we had clinicals. Uh, one of my favorites was I got jumped onto a wound clinic. Not team. you got jumped like. Yeah, like, not you know. into a gang, <laughs> even though I'm a thug, baby. No. Okay, stop. Just stop there. Okay. We, I was on a wound clinic team. And so we're walking around the hospital, not just on one floor, but anybody that had this kind of wound machine where they had some massive wounds that we had to, that was a painful process of changing the dressings and yep. it's like a weird kind of vacuum system type thing or whatever. Like that was painful, but needed. Like you're saying with surgery, that's going to be painful, but needed. And the healing process is going to be painful. But that's the thing that we don't think about. Like, I don't want it to be painful. Then you don't want to be you healed. Yep. You know, like even, even now you get a paper cut, like, okay, that hurts, but it's also going to hurt why it's trying to heal up a little bit. It's going to be tender. It's going to be like sensitive. Like that's going to be our lives. Yeah. And so we have to be, we have to understand that that's where God is working and moving in this mindset to think that if we feel anything that hurts, that causes pain, that causes us to suffer is a lack of God. It's the complete opposite. It's like, no, that's the biggest move of the mm -hmm. Lord in yeah. your life is to, is to bring that about instead of, no, I just want him hands off and I just want the blessing. And it's like the blessing is the pain. Yeah. You know, and you can give thanks in that situation. You know, you can give thanks in that. Lord, like we got out of surgery, we were thankful that the, to the Lord for that situation. You know, because again, like we didn't go to oncology. You know, the kindest thing that they did is exactly what they did. Nick, you have cancer and we are going to slice you open and remove this so that you can heal up. And we're going to hit you with chemo so that you don't have cancer anymore. Yep. Right. What I didn't need is them to walk in and be like, so I guess you've heard you got cancer and then just hold my hand. Yeah. What are we going to do? I don't want to do anything because if I cut you, it's going to hurt. Well, if you left me there, that was a hundred percent sure that was going to kill me. Yep. I mean, just give it time. It was going to spread. It was going to go further, whatever. And it was going to take my life. The best thing to do was to cut the cancer out of my body, yep. to attack the cancer with whatever it is. And so we want that again, but not when it comes to our faith. And it's like, no, allow the Lord to surgically remove. And a lot of the pain, the initial pain, sometimes it shows like the more painful it is, the more attached we were to our sin yeah, or to our the idol. Yes. You yep. know, because that happens like staying with the cancer analogy, you know, they, they'll cut open a patient, let's say it's like brain cancer or something like that or whatever it is. And it's like the cancer is too intertwined and entangled with your heart, your brain or whatever it is. We, we can't remove it. If we try to, we'll kill you. Like yeah. that's yeah. yeah. And it's like, but when the Lord opens up our lives and starts working, no, he wants to, we're the ones that keep trying to close ourselves off to the Lord and say, no, no you're done working. 
you know, because it, it's it's removing control, it's removing my comforts, it's removing my lust, my desire, whatever I'm wanting. Yeah. I'm wanting my will, not your will, and we're definitely not going to give thanks for that. Mm-mm. You know, where I remember <laughs> shaking the doctor's hand, saying, "Thank you, yeah. thank you for diagnosing me and finding the cancer. Praise the Lord that you had the ability to do that." Yeah. you know. Because you've even said the language that you used even around here at Calvary is to be unclear is unkind. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, as I feel like as Christians, we want to we're we're afraid of a, of offense. Yep. Um, even though that's not the heart or the goal, we just kind of skirt around issues because well, we don't want to offend anybody. It's like no, no, no. That sin needs to be called out. That person needs to be told. That person need like yeah. there are those places in those times. And the worst thing to go back to your cancer diagnosis. Yeah. The worst thing for the doctors to do, not only for you, but for your family, is to give you false hope, to think that you have longer than yeah. you did. You know, hey, we're pretty confident we think it's stage three. It's a full-blown stage four. We, you have days to live. Yeah. It'd be very unkind to yep. do that and give your family hope when there was, you know, when there yeah. was no hope. And the greatest person that we need to do that to going, you know, okay, what's God's will? Another verse was Second Peter 3, 9, is his will that all should reach repentance. The greatest person that we need to call out, hey, this is the sin in your life. This is the control that you are having, that you're trying to keep from God, that is ourselves. Yeah. Like we need to look into the mirror. Some of us probably literally, figuratively, look into the mirror of our lives, do a very real, honest self-evaluation and say, you are the problem. You're the one that keeps holding on to this. You keep closing yourself off to God. He wants to move and work, but you really don't want God to work and move in your life. You really don't want transformation. You you just want comforts. You want God to fluff your pillow. You want him to hand you the remote, binge watch whatever's on Netflix, and you just want to be comforted. And if there is anything that would disrupt your life, then your knee-jerk reaction is that you go to condemn God for it. Why, God, did you do this to my life? Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, you don't understand. If I was doing a work in your life, this never would have happened. This one's on you. But we don't want to have that honest conversation with ourselves at all, Mm. which falls back into what we started talking about within salvation, right? So. God works and he saves us. Salvation is of the Lord. We are saved by grace through faith. But the story's not done. That starts the process of God cutting out old me, old ways, old nature, things that I used to run to, and now you can't run back to that anymore. This is what I want you to run to. So when you feel those um, emotions of insufficiency and and whatever it would be all of us have those right whatever we used to run to for comfort let it be you know sex drugs rock and roll work anything like that nope you're you need to run to me now yeah right and so and one of the things and i love this verse that i was going to read uh second corinthians and five you know he's saying therefore if anyone is in christ he's a new creation old passed away behold the new has come and all of this is from god who through christ reconciled us to himself and here's the key gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is Christ. God, that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. And so for us, yes, we're saved. And 
that is not the end goal. It's not like, hey, pray this prayer, dunk you in some water, and there you can go to heaven. Nope. We, We are entrusted with this ministry. So now he hands us the scalpel. I did a work in your life. I want you to go and start doing a more other work in other people's life. Go and cut through the numbness, cut through the complacency, cut through the apathy of people's lives, get to the nerve endings where it really hits and apply my word and my grace. Mm-hmm. Let them come to, because what's his will? That all should reach repentance, that all people would be saved. And now he entrusts us that ministry of reconciliation. And why? Because we're ambassadors. Now in our world, you know, again, the concept is there, uh, and this happens all the time. If a celebrity, let's say they're be uh, they're endorsed by Nike or whatever, we'll take Nike's endorsement. We'll take Nike's them. endorsement too, right? That, that's a something. Greek word for victory. That's why that's in the scriptures. That's a biblical word, not a <laughs> athletic word. Come on, but you know, if there's a celebrity, a uh, sports person, and they and they are being endorsed by Nike, and they do something real stupid. Which Nike, never happens. Never happens. We hypothetically, haven't seen that. Hypothetically. Nike will drop them. Mm-hmm. You're no longer our masters because you don't represent our company well. In their minds, Nike is saying, this is who we want to represent us. They say, like, let it be hard work. Let it be winning championships. Whatever that company wants to do. And this happens all the time with yep. celebrities, right? The Lord gave us the, me- the ministry of reconciliation. He says, now I want you to be my ambassadors. You represent me to the world. That's what it means in like Exodus 20 with the Ten Commandments to, you know, do not take the Lord's name in vain. That's not talking about cussing. It's meaning do not bear, do not carry the Lord's name in vain. Like don't misrepresent the Lord. And the Lord never had a desire just for you to say a little salvation prayer, get dunked in some water and keep going back to the sin that caused the very brokenness that you need to be saved from. No, the Lord's will for your life was, again, going back to these verses, 1 Thessalonians 3, 4, and 3, your sanctification, that we get to grow in our ambassadorship of representing Christ to the world. We get to grow in the ministry of reconciliation. We get to grow in being who God has called us to be so that others would see him in us, through us, and find hope, find salvation, find whatever they whatever that God-sized hole is in their heart that they keep feeling, they get to find that all the things that I used to run to do not bring fulfillment and purpose, but I have found something, a treasure that is stored in jars of clay. I found a treasure in Christ. That's the goal of the Christian life. And so I, and I don't think the New Testament, really don't have a desire to say, how much fellowship could we break with the Lord and still be considered his son? I have no desire for my son, even though biologically my kid, no, I want a relationship with him. I want fellowship with him. I want, you know, I want to hear, oh, I come home from work. No, I want you at the door greeting me like the dog, wagging your tail, happy to see me, okay? Don't make me hunt you down in your room and ask you how your day is going. No, I want my whole family lined up, excited to see me. Like, I want that close fellowship. Like, I want my son to be my best friend. Like it kind of blew him away. We, you know, that hypothetical conversation. Yes, like, the hypothetical. Yeah, oh, I love the hypothetical. Like, if something happened to mom mm. and you got married again, who would be your best man? I said you would, and he was blown away by that. I could see that, and I was like, well, thank the Lord that. And I've already told Ashley, like, God forbid, if something happened, I'm not dating again. 
Like I not doing it. There's no game. I never had game, and so does. I don't even know how I got <laughs> this. Like yeah, I don't know how I this got by the actually grace of God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like she, it was pity. It wasn't game. It was pity. <laughs> she just felt bad for me and said, "Somebody's got to marry this guy, <laughs> right? Somebody has to." <laughs> she settled. I married up, and anything you hear otherwise is false. But all that, I'm just like I. I want to have close fellowship with him. The Lord wants to have close fellowship with us, and it's His desire to have close fellowship with us. And it's his desire that we would desire close fellowship with him. Yeah. And so that's what the New Testament is about. Like, quit asking how close to sin can we get and still be considered, you know, a Christian or are we saved? It's like, how holy can we be? Mm. How, like, just sold out for Jesus can we be? Like, how radical, which isn't radical Christianity, it's normal biblical Christianity, but that's the word we have to use to mm. describe it in our culture. Like, how radical can I be for Jesus? And somebody look at us and be like, are you sane? <laughs> like, you live in such a way, like, it causes me to question your sanity. But isn't that what they said about Jesus? Because when, think about when his brothers and his mother came to him, um, this is an earthly ministry, and his brothers didn't believe. And, you know, there's some hintings about his mom here and there. But, and he was saying all these things, and he was saying things like, um, oh, my mother and my brothers, that's whoever does the will of God. People were starting to say things. The response of his family said, oh, he's out of his mind. Mm -hmm. Like, even his own family thought he was kind of crazy. And it's like, yeah, I want to be, I want to be the crazy Uncle that's Eddie of Christianity. Be. Like, I want to live in such a way that people look at me and think, you're kind of crazy about this Jesus person. It's like, yep, you know, no questioning. No, yeah, there's no questioning about it. Like, I, yeah, I, and not even that I want the outside world that is uh, separated from God to question and think I'm crazy. Like, I want the person that is sitting in the pew every Sunday or the chair, if you don't have pews like us, I want them to question, like, my pastor's kind of nuts. Like, he, he's crazy. Like, he really wants, like, yeah, I really think that this small little church here in the Lake of the Ozarks can have an eternal impact in in for the kingdom. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with our ability, our uh, budget, our tithes, our numbers on a Sunday morning or online, in person. It all has to do with our ability to completely be just full out surrendered to Christ in our everyday normal lives. That's what the New Testament talks about. Not hey, let's just keep living like we were in our brokenness and, and just splash a little Jesus on us and we'll still be saved. It's like... Sounds miserable. So, <laughs> absolutely. When you put it that way, it sounds awful. Yeah. And, and when people live that way, and when they have a real crisis of faith and they say things like, ah, oh, my faith isn't just working, and it's like, do you even have one? And I'm it not saying... never working. Yeah, it never, you never were working that out. Like, it, well, who said this? If you do anything halfway then it's always going to be done half as well it was something like that like you're, you're just going to be mediocre at everything someone probably really profound really profound i can't great remember leadership. that horrible quoting of that <laughs> but it was really good guess. like if you say yes to like if you just do everything halfway like why are you expecting this robust faith when you're only putting in barely half efforts you know and again not for salvation but from salvation but we kind of have that mentality. It was somebody on staff. I think it was Andy. He said something like that. I don't know if it was in pastor's meeting last well, week. Well, then it's definitely not going to be on the internet. <laughs> it's probably not going to be on the internet. But I think that's a lot of it is, you know, you look at people and it's like, oh, I'm really struggling in my faith. You know, you ask them, it's like, oh, are you in the word? Nah. Are you praying? Nah. Are you fellowshipping together with other believers? Nah. 
Well, there's like four problems right there. Yeah, before so, we even get to the. So what's the problem? Like, I mean, here, here's three things right there that I can tell you that are probably inhibiting your walk with the Lord. And I mean, yeah, it's kind of like looking at the surgeon and be like, "Hey, did you get the cancer? Well, I didn't cut you, I didn't take it out, and I didn't sew you back up." So no. So no. Yeah. Nothing's okay. Changed. So nothing's changed whatsoever, and it's you know, and it, yeah, I'm 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 soapboxing. I'm getting fired up. Ready. That's good. Wait until next Sunday. Because Sean's preaching, not me. Ha <laughs> ha. That's right. Did I cover everything so no, far? No, that was good. That was great. Let's go another hour. Uh, I don't know that I want to, and I don't know that anybody else wants to go. Sean needs hour. to go lay down now. I need, no, I got to go edit this podcast and get it out <laughs> so people can listen to it. Uh, That's a great book end to uh, for for this episode. As always, thanks for sitting down and breaking down my crazy questions. And let's go. Hopefully, other people's crazy questions. And I probably shouldn't drink coffee. Right before and during these. And this is just normal coffee. Imagine if it was espresso. You know what I mean? I drink it to get through. <laughs> you might need to tone it down. Tone like, it down. You're just like, ah, let's go another hour. We need the opposite of coffee. What's the opposite of coffee? Sleep. Melatonin. Mel- <laughs> I need a hot melatonin. No. So it's a tea. We'll, we'll get you some sleepy time no, tea. Sleep. <laughs> Nick's nice. over here trying to answer questions on oh, logs. Oh, it'd be awesome. Oh, man. Well, hey, we will uh, We'll see you guys next week for another episode of The Breakdown. As always, if you would do us a huge favor, it does help. Uh, if you would uh, rate, review the podcast wherever you find or listen to your favorite podcast and that you're listening right now. Uh, same thing if you're watching on YouTube. Give it a thumbs up. Share it with family and friends. And uh, hopefully, as this uh, continues to happen, word gets out not for the bigness of the breakdown, but, man, just so people can hear about Jesus. Amen. Like That's the goal. And so uh, well, we'll wrap it up today. We're going to put everything away, get ready for Sunday because – Sunday apparently continues to happen each every and every week. week. It's crazy how that happens. I've never skipped one. It's it's nuts. We're going to go do that. We'll be back next week for the breakdown. I hope not to be back next week. Oh, I was like, hold on, wait. <laughs> I yeah. hope not to be back next week. Big Daddy over here getting ready to have a kid, so be praying for the hummus. Well, hopefully next week. I'm not here. If you don't hear my voice, that's why. And if you do, well, then you know I'm not. I'm not I will be pregnant. <laughs> Jerron is not going to I just want to be very clear. His wife, on the other hand, maybe. Yeah, that's true. So we'll see you guys next week. Have a great week, everybody.